completely freezing. Randy Whitehouse joins us now from the Sun Journal. Find him on Twitter, rawmaterial33. Find him at sunjournal.com as well. You know, I'm looking out here on Center Street, uh, Randy, and you know what I see? <laughs> I see cars, many of them with unshoveled snow on them. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm in Gardner. We didn't get any snow at all yesterday. How, how much did you guys get we, down we there? Got, well, I live in Minot, which is on the wrong side of the, um, of the rain-snow line there. <laughs> and... Um, I, we got like a, like maybe a half an inch to an inch and then it all got slushy. So yeah, it's now we've got like chunks of ice on the side of the road. It's, it's exciting really. More, more, more coming Friday, baby. More coming Friday. And uh, I guess I just talked with the uh, Wells head football coach, uh, Tim Roach. Uh, he, he stated that they're going to be making a decision today on whether the game is going to be played on Friday in Orono or Friday night in Orono after the main Elon game. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that would be interesting. I wonder which uh, game would draw a bigger crowd. How have the crowds been at the main games? I haven't really been. You know what? Can I, I haven't been to one. I haven't been to a single home game, Randy. I haven't, I've just been to the road games because, you know, I'm usually, Kind of the way that it works out, Randy, is I, I get um, I get the old, uh, you know, I'm half, uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense. There's 57 different media outlets that go up there when we're at home, right? Okay, so if there's 57 media outlets there that, that go when, when we're at home, then, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to go rolling up through there when I've got high school stuff that I should be doing here, but... Most of the time, it's it's worked out pretty decently that when they've been on the road, which I know nobody's going on the road to follow them from here, right? You know, I'm not, you know, unless it's within driving distance, I'm not seeing anybody go down. So I'll I'll be the guy that can go down there. And the cool part is, while everybody's streaming it, you know, you're up, you're ahead maybe three, sometimes two and a half to three minutes over the live stream by the time somebody sees it. So if a guy gets hurt or there's a big play coming up, if you can get that highlight up, you can almost sync it up with you putting it out as opposed to them watching it at the same time or maybe getting just ahead of it. So yeah. it's uh, it, it's pretty cool. It's it's pretty neat. It's been it's been fun. Right. It's been eye-opening this year. But the, I'll tell you what, they've got a dedicated, hardcore road fan base, and they are loud. So Yeah, it seems like, I, you know, and Maddie, I've been, I've been following them on the road more through you than anything else in the main zone uh, <laughs> Twitter feed than really anything else when they're on the road. And well, thank I, I you. You've been doing a great job. And it's, it's been fun to, to watch. I mean, just, oh, I, you know, I don't I don't understand how they're playing the Elon school from Poland Spring this week. I don't yeah. I didn't know they had a football team. I thought that they were they put out of business. Team. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> was Elon the original A.R. Gould, though? Oh, I was. I that's where I met my wife, and no, she wasn't one of the. Clients. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, that was that's. <laughs> we interesting. worked there together, uh. so, so I'm quite familiar with what went on there. <laughs> uh, I hope there are no lawyers listening that want to subpoena. Yeah, at the, at this point, yeah. If not, there's there'll be a long form there'll be a long form article about it in the New York Times in just a few days, <laughs> right? <laughs> That'll just be how it goes. Exactly. Oh boy, were you? Uh, what? I'll tell you what. I don't know, like what black cat Mike Hathaway w- w- walked in front of oh. on on Thursday, but what yeah. what in the what an unfortunate string of events for Levitt. Not only to lose Coach Casey, which is just 
you know, that goes without saying uh, how much that impacts a community uh, when a man like that uh, uh, passes away, especially right at that time. And then the the game, typically because they're the home team, they can decide when to play it, but conference rules state that you have to play it on Saturday, which just so happens to be the same day that their opponent usually plays on. So they got to move the game to Saturday night. They've got to get volunteers to come and clear off the field so they can even play the game on their home field, and then they lose their starting quarterback like in the in the first quarter. I mean, what what an unfortunate string of events for Levitt. And that's not even I'm not even trying to take anything away from Freiburg, who's had an amazing season and finally gets some spotlight for themselves this week. But let's talk a little bit about that Levitt thing. That is what a what a week. Yeah, yeah, I I can't remember a, a a week like that for a team, you know, at, at any point during a football season, regular season or playoffs, uh, where just things just kind of kept piling up. And you know, I, I uh, Mike invited me into the locker room to talk to him after the game. I talked to him in his office, and I uh, walked into the locker room. I mean, you could just sense it, that everyone was just still stunned, and you know, uh, there's no way to discern whether they were stunned from, from what ha- just happened on the field or, or the tragedy that occurred with, with Pete Casey, you know, less than 48 hours earlier. Uh, you know, just a, a really tough string of events. I think, you know, Levitt handled themselves and the community handled themselves extremely well throughout that. And Freiburg, too, I give them credit. They, they had a lot of class as well. And, uh, you know, Freiburg, Freiburg's a great team, and, and they certainly deserve to be in the state game. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun finally getting to see them play. Uh, I've seen them play the last couple of years. I hadn't seen them play yet this year. And, and there were some outstanding performances uh, by their players out there. And I, I think their, their coaches also did a, a tremendous job of adjusting on the fly, uh, you know, smelling blood in the water, seeing blood in the water, and, and taking advantage of it. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the week that, that the folks that had to go through uh, just to, to, to play that game uh, is not something that, that you want to see happen to, to any group of kids. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying the, the results would have been any different, uh, you know, uh, off the field or, or uh, if, you know, White Hathaway hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, Freiburg had certainly shown that they could beat uh, Levin at pretty much full strength before. Um, but, you know, you, you want to see in those games both teams out there with their, with their best players, with their best athletes, and, and able to, uh, to kind of do what they've been doing all season long. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, I, I feel bad for them, but that's, uh, you know, as far as injuries on the field, that's, that's part of the game, and, and it happens. Um, but uh, you know, don't don't certainly don't take any credit away from uh, from Freiburg for for winning that game. They were, I think, the better team. I think overall, uh, you know, especially uh, just in terms of their ability to uh, to pl- when they're not playing their best to still find ways to win. Uh, I think they they kind of had that uh, that kind of trump card on everybody else really in the conference. It's amazing! It's amazing that they started the season with a loss against Lisbon. Uh, it was a very good Class D team. Don't get me wrong, but they absolutely got blown out by Lisbon. And then you know it took them you know six or seven more weeks to give up as many points as they did in that Lisbon game. Uh, it's one of the more unusual season 
narratives that, that I've seen in high school football, too. Well, and, and the weirdest part about that is, is then Lisbon then loses in the, in the snow uh, to their rival the week after playing them at the end of the season game. Which I think there were what there were three of those this year where teams yeah. where they sand they they sandwich played like they play or or, or they they back to back play they double stack they played one Friday and then they played like the next Saturday or whatever yeah. like it craziness the the way the schedule kind of set up this year for some of this for some of this mayhem yeah yeah absolutely and, you know I think uh, overall you have to be uh, you know pretty satisfied in terms of uh, the best teams. Uh, making it through the tournament and, and getting to, to Fitzpatrick Stadium or, or up to Orono, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, you know, I don't know if that means we're going to have any any close games this weekend. It looks like Class C may be on paper the closest matchup, maybe the best game. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't know much about Herman at all. Uh, oh, excuse me, Nokomis at all. I didn't know much about Herman either, but I don't know much about Nokomis at all. No, even less about Nokomis. Yeah, Nokomis <laughs> is one of those weird stories where, like, they just kind of got hot around playoff time, you know? Yeah. And and they had some wins this year. And, you know, I only follow a lot of these teams that are up in the Eastern Maine thing because I'm part of that Eastern Maine pick pool or whatever. And uh, so I have to follow these students kind of see what they're doing but Nokomis is one of those I could never get them right all year whatever I pick them to do they did the exact opposite so you know I was like 0-8 on 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 them this year like yeah, that's just you know we ain't seen North all season long yeah like you, you know you ride the Winslow train for a little while oh, yeah. and then they'd lose to like Lawrence or something and kind of get knocked off stride you know you might you might go into Herman or, or uh, MCI you know they were my pick early well even at the at, Start of the playoffs, and uh, then they got knocked out. So, uh, yeah, just uh, you know, uh, one of those divisions uh, like Class D below Wells or Class B North that that uh, had a lot of surprises in store during the playoffs, and uh, you know, was a lot more interesting to to follow than maybe some of the other regions that that were pretty much predetermined before. Talking with Randy Whitehouse from the Sun Journal, SunJournal.com. All right, are, are we concerned yet about the Boston Celtics? Well, um, I, you know, I, I said last week that I, I, it's November, and you know, I, I always think back to the to the eighty five, eighty six Celtics and what happened to them on Christmas Day, losing to the lowly New York Knicks, blowing a twenty five point lead, and then losing to them in overtime. And not that long after that, they went on something like a 15-, 16-game winning streak and morphed into the still what I think is the greatest team of all time. So I don't freak out too much until uh, you know around Christmas time, around the turn of the new year. Uh, you know, there's there's still a long ways to go in this season, which is a good thing because clearly Brad Stevens has a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, starting with his rotations. And also with uh, I think Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, uh, Tatum started you know looked like started to snap out of it uh, the last few games a little bit, but Jalen Brown I you know he's unrecognizable almost on the court. I mean I I I think I I've never seen anyone and that includes like you know Greg Kite you know miss as many layups as he's missed this so far this year. I think I think his shooting percentage on the layups was like forty percent or something like that, which is just unbelievable. 
Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know how you feel, but I, I'm willing, still willing to step back and, and give it some more time. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, you know, they just came off a tough road trip. Uh, that West Coast trip wasn't easy. I mean, there's no excuse what happened in Phoenix. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's still plenty of time for them to, to get the ship turned around. Uh, but it's not going to be easy. Brad Stevens definitely has his work cut out for him, that's for sure. Speaking of work cut out for them, you know, uh, the Patriots are done. They're all wrapped up. I mean, that's... <laughs> I, we don't have to emotionally invest in them anymore, right? I mean, that's all I hear currently. Tom Brady's finished. Uh, the statistical yeah. decline is happening. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know why. Like, I'm not at all concerned about this loss to to Tennessee. Like, if you heard Brady before, that like the way he talked about things, and he talked about wanting to empty the tank this week. Like, I think they had emptied the tank on that Sunday nighter against Green Bay. Like, I just think mm-hmm. they ran out of gas, and and it was a. It was going to go down to Nashville, and it was a fart noise game. It looked like a fart noise game plan. It just, you know, it kind of remind. It kind of reminded me of the Stephen Jackson versus the Dolphins game a couple of years ago. Oh, you know what I mean? D- 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 there were shades of that, and you just hope it doesn't come back and, and bite them when when looking for home field or things like that. But I still want to see Kansas City win a playoff game before I get too excited. Like as long as New England gets this two seed, I, I I feel like they've got a good shot to 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 continue the dominance. Yeah, it's amazing the turnaround in one week from beating Green Bay to losing to Tennessee, <laughs> um, but you know that's kind of the nature of, of the NFL season, especially when you're when you're following the Patriots and through the Boston media. Uh, you know, I, the the thing about that Stephen Jackson loss, I saw I, I always felt like that it was uh, a, a coaching loss. I felt like Belichick went into that game with just an awful, awful, awful game plan. And uh, and decide to stick with it. You know, what was it? We're going to run the ball 16 times or whatever it was with Steven Jackson before we throw a pass, just to see if we can run the ball going into the playoffs. And ended up costing them home field advantage. Uh, this game, uh, they were certainly out coached in this game. There's no question about that. And uh, Vrabel, uh, you know, clearly was enjoying uh, uh, that fact uh, even during the game. But uh, you know, they they were completely dominated at the line of scrimmage. Uh, the offensive line, you know, their inconsistencies are, are still a, a little bit of a, of a concern at this point for me. Uh, I think it's, it's an adequate line. I don't think it's a line that's going to be able to, uh, to really substantially protect Brady when it goes up against uh, teams like Tennessee or maybe Jacksonville who have those kind of defenses. Uh, the question is, uh, you know whether they have the weapons to, to overcome that as they have in the past. Uh, I don't know if they do. Uh, you know uh, what's you know what's happened to Chris Hogan. That, that's one of the great mysteries. Uh, he's not you know a, a huge contributor to them, but he's he's disappeared off the face of the earth right now. And you know uh, I, I didn't see it Sunday, but but from what I've heard, there were times when he was open on Sunday, and Brady just didn't look his way. Yeah. So you know what what's made him drop out of the circle of trust, and and Josh Gordon all of a sudden to be, uh, you know, one of the favored members of that group. Uh, is it just you know athleticism? Is it just you know the ability to to go up and, and get it a high throw and an accurate pass? Uh, you know, is it you know to make the quarterback look better? You know, than Chris Hogan can make him look. I I don't know, but uh, you know with, with Gronk out. 
with Hogan no longer contributing. Uh, it's basically down to three guys now. You know, it's down to Elman White and uh, Gordon, and we saw on Sunday that's not nearly good enough. That's not even close to being good enough. Um, so, you know, uh, you're right about the rest of the AFC. Uh, you know, Kansas City, for all we know, is, is, a, is a paper tiger. You know, we don't know how good they really are when it comes to uh, to, to when you have to win. Uh, you know, and, you know Pittsburgh cycling through now. You know, amongst the contenders. You know, now everybody thinks that that they can challenge the Patriots. I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, you know, but uh, the Patriots, I think, are certainly with the pack. They're not ahead of ahead of everybody like they have been uh, the last three or four years. I think they're one of several teams that you can say uh, will represent the AFC. Uh, you know. Whether they can separate themselves in the last month or so, month and a half, uh, we'll see. But they need to stay healthy because depth certainly isn't their strength. Uh, they, they absolutely need to stay healthy. And if that means uh, holding Gronk out for another week, you know, hold, hold him out uh, after the bye week uh, against the Jets, I think you can get away with that, and I think you should try to get away with that because uh, if they don't have him going forward, I don't think they really have a shot. Well, and I also wonder if you only have, if you're watching the, if you're beginning to watch the end of the Gronk era specifically, you know, that he is, it, it, this, once again, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but, you know, seemed like Belichick was kind of spot on about Malcolm Butler. Okay. Yeah. And, and you can say, well, Malcolm Butler played good the other day. Well, you know. Nobody on the Patriots played well last week, so let's just right. let's just let's just set that aside for the moment, okay? But it looked like he was right on Malcolm Butler, and it looked like he was right looking to trade Rob Gronkowski in the off season. Basically, you know, his value probably, you know, his and Brady's value probably couldn't have been any higher than it was last year, right? Yeah. The end of the year, yeah, yeah. No, with, absolutely with Brady coming off of, off of MVP season, um, you know, Gronk, you know, there's this going to be health questions with him as always but you know last season he looked you know a lot closer to the real the real Gronk that we know than he has this season um, you know there's just uh, you know he just doesn't seem to have his legs don't seem to be as, as lively as they once were he doesn't seem as quick or as fast as he has in the past uh, he can still physically uh, dominate guys uh, when the ball is thrown his way but in that separation now is is the question. So yeah, I think you're right. I think Belichick saw this coming, saw what was uh, on the horizon for him this year, and, and tried to, to trade him. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean I, w- I would have necessarily wanted him to be traded, but you know, who knows what they could have gotten for him. So, uh, but he's here now, and, and they need him uh, as much as they ever have. Uh, to be as close to the to the old Gronk as, as possible because uh, you know other than him uh, you know and, and Gordon there's really no game changing players on on the offense potential game changing players on the offense whereas other teams have you know two or three of of those kind of guys. Talking to Randy Whitehouse from the Sun Journal and SunJournal.com. Tim Rosenthal, Bruins Daily, will join us at eleven. I don't. So you uh, you you still stewing over the uh, Otani when the I, I just year. I want to. I am so like like it's unbelievable to me because if if either Andujar or Torres had won it, Randy, you know what we would have heard? We would have heard East Coast bias. Okay, 
but for yeah, some reason, but somehow we get this Mike Trout and the MVP thing, okay? <laughs> and we get this Otani and the Rookie of the Year thing. Both of them barely played, like, I think Trout was injured for a bit this year. I know Otani was injured for a bit this year. Um, I, I just, I'm blown away by it. And, and they continue to, it's, it's like, because it's them and because, it's, like, I, I just, I don't get it. I, they, it's like they decided that Otani was going to be the rookie of the year as soon as he hit for the rest of the year, and they were, they were good. Like, that was it. Yeah. Like, they had already made up their mind. It was like, um, you know who it reminds me of? It reminds me of when uh, Florida State won the national football title in 1993. They decided that year was the year Bobby Bowden was getting his national title, and whether William Floyd crossed the damn end zone line or not, by God, they were giving Bobby Bowden his national title. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, yeah, I can, I definitely agree with you. I think they got caught up in the, you know, the story, the uniqueness of, of what Otani was was doing for a little while, and decided that you know. Uh, this is this is such a, a special player, such a special talent that that we need to commemorate that in some way, and, and it really wasn't reflective of his performance this year. Uh, you know, I definitely Andujar or, or Torres were were more impactful rookies this year, and I just you know uh, I, I don't really understand what what kind of logic they could they could put in for. For Otani being the best rookie player in the league, because he wasn't—he wasn't really even, you know, uh, even close to Torres and, and Andujar. I don't think. See, but you know, it's baseball writers for you. Yeah, baseball writers are just wacky, wacky people, man. <laughs> just the wackiest people who've ever. I just—I don't know. I find it—I find it pretty amazing. It's or whatever, though. I guess you know, whatever. I'll just shake my head and move on with it. Just. Well, you know, it says all you need to know. About, uh, honestly, you know. though, it makes more sense to me that Otani won Rookie of the Year than Aaron Boone getting even a single vote <laughs> for Manager of the Year. And yet somehow, somehow Aaron Boone got two third-place votes. Two! Way to somebody go! Was, somebody was trolling you, man. Some, well, it was some dude that works for like the... Uh, like like the Japanese American media out in LA and then I can't remember who the other one was. I'm like, what what is this? Like are you trying to like honestly, when I tweeted yesterday that they should be hurtled to the moon, honestly they should be hurtled to the sun because they deserve to just just evaporate. Like I can't even fathom what moron watched whatever and thought, boy, that guy is making all the right moves. He's one of the top three managers this year in Major League Baseball. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, you know, it's like you know, giving Melvin the uh, the manager of the year. You know, we know exactly why that happened. It's it's strictly because of payroll and uh, you know, actual managerial acumen and prowess. Be damned! Uh, baseball writers, for some reason, can't understand that. In some ways, it's not only just as difficult, but more difficult to handle a, a, a talented, high payroll team over the course of a, of a 162 game season than it is a bunch of you know lesser paid players who are you know really hungry and, and are playing for that next contract are basically playing to get out of Oakland is essentially what they're doing. You think you think Melvin has a really hard time motivating his players? I doubt it. I sincerely doubt it. Whereas someone like a, a core or even a boom, yes, a boom, not so much as, 
as maybe Girardi in the past, but you know they have to. They have all these egos, egos that they need to satisfy. They have all these guys who have these incentive laden contracts that they need to satisfy. They sometimes have an overabundance of talent at certain positions that they need to juggle and make everyone happy. Uh, you know that's no less difficult than than putting you know a guy who's maybe a a B or or B minus player in, into a position to to succeed. Uh, but you know, it's the same. It's, you know, it's just like the the NBA logic of a of a coach getting his team from ninth place to to fifth place, uh, being coach of the year. Uh, you know, it's just the you know lowered expectations, I guess. And I I don't know why it needs to be rewarded so much in in terms of uh, in terms of postseason awards. But you know, whatever. <laughs> we are speaking with Randy Whitehouse from. The Sun Journal. You can find him on Twitter, Raw Material 33, and you can find him at sunjournal.com. You going to any games this weekend? Freiburg, I'm assuming, probably? Uh, no, no, I am. Freiburg used to be in our coverage area. It's not anymore. I'm working on features this week. I just actually got off the phone with old friend Ace Curry, who's ah. uh, one of the defensive leaders for Husson, which is heading to the playoffs this weekend, uh, playing at RPI on Saturday. And, uh, Great catching up with Ace from uh, Lewiston High School, and uh, hopefully be hearing from Coach Price here soon. So look for uh, look for that feature coming up in, in the Sun Journal. We'll have some other stuff coming up uh, over the mostly over the weekend for me, but still plenty of stuff this week for you to to check out. All right, my friend. We will talk to you again soon. All right, man. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. That is Randy Whitehouse from the Sun Journal. Find him online, sunjournal.com, or on Twitter, Raw Material 33. Take a break. Tim Rosenthal, Bruins Daily, coming up here on the B List. W288CW 